You're listening to Driving Law, a podcast by Kyla Lee about all things related to the rules of the road. Hello, and welcome to another exciting episode of Driving Law. I am Kyla Lee at Acumen Law, and with me, as usual, Paul Doroshenko. Hi, Kyla. Nice to talk to you. Yeah. Happy to talk to you, too. Did you notice I changed up your intro? Well, I'm happy that you changed it up. I like a little bit of change now and then. I'm not so, yep. you know, stuck in a rut that I don't like a little bit of change now and then. Change is inevitable. Change is good. Except from a vending machine. Well, a change is, uh, is better than a rest. And uh, considering our travel restrictions that are coming in on Friday at around 1 o'clock, uh, or whatever the announcement that's going to be made by the provincial government, we uh, the best we can hope for is small life changes because we're not going on vacations. Yes, and that's, you know, that's the way it is. And tomorrow, which will be today for the podcast listeners, more restrictions are probably going to be announced. So, and today, and today the federal government said don't go on vacation. Yeah, well, I'm not going on vacation, so... In any event. Suck it, federal government. I didn't have a life anyway. Yeah, well. <laughs> Joke's on you. As of next week, uh, Highway 3 is going to be open for non-essential traffic. So British Columbians are going to be able to drive to the Okanagan or drive from the Okanagan for Christmas time to visit their family. Something they probably shouldn't do with the Omicron virus, but it's going to happen now. And yeah, the Coca-Hola. Yeah. Uh, and the Coca-Hola. Want... Coca you go ahead and say it. You just wanted to get out there that you won our bet. How about that? I thought it was a bit of a long shot, and for a while there, I didn't think it was going to happen. But you and I bet, and I think it was a hundred bucks. And I said, you said the Coca Cola would probably not be open till February or something like that. And I said, no, you watch. It'll be open in December. It'll be open before the end of the year to non-essential travel for. Uh, so it'll be open for commercial vehicles and and such. And sure enough, I was surprised that I'm uh, winning the bet and I'm looking forward to getting my hundred bucks. Yeah, well, I'll give you your hundred bucks in pennies. So it is quite an accomplishment. I mean, you better not give it to me <laughs> winning pennies, first of all. You can't get <laughs> winning, uh, let's say, Look, you I've lost, I've lost every other pennies. bet I've made with you. I've lost every other bet with, I made with you, but most of them were for like a dollar or a Coke. So this is actually is a big win for me. Uh, and I'm very happy about it. And I can use the hundred dollars and I can use the $100, and I can actually buy $100 worth of gas now that the gas restrictions have been lifted. But, you I know, know. This, is an, this is a huge accomplishment. It was 130 kilometers uh, was the, the, the various different scenes of destruction on the Coca-Cola. It was over, at, like, the span at one end to the other was 130 kilometers, and there was bridges out in between, and they had to, you know, get to the ones that were in the middle past bridges that were out in order to get there. And they've done this in like a month and a bit. Like it's, it's shocking. It's very impressive. You you think that you know, uh, if they want to build a high speed railway in China, they start on a, a Tuesday, and the thing is built by a week Friday. Um, and we look at trying to accomplish those things in North America, and it seems almost impossible. Well, look at what we managed to do in BC. Mm -hmm. I am mightily sure. impressed, and I'm really impressed with the capacity of our of our experts in construction in this province 
you know, in Vancouver. Shout out to previous podcast guest, Bowen Moss. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, she's the Minister of State for something, infrastructure or something infrastructure. like that. She's an engineer. Yep. Um, but, um, you know, when I moved to Vancouver, I was shocked at the incapacity of people. The people didn't know how to change their oil. The people didn't know how to fix simple things on their car or around their house that they had no concept of it, that it was so specialized. Nobody knows how to operate a lawnmower in Vancouver. Um, you know, everybody gets their lawn mowed by somebody, including you. Um, the, uh, and I just, coming from Edmonton, and particularly with my dad, who was a, a brilliant guy and a master of everything with wild skills, uh, I was shocked when I moved to Vancouver that people didn't seem to accomplish, know how to accomplish things. Well, I'll tell you, uh, you know, watching the people dealing with the flood in, out in Abbotsford and the people in Abbotsford knowing what to do in order to deal with their their dikes and knowing what to do in order to ensure that this pumping station was protected and then the people you know in the Ministry of Transport knowing what to do to repair a highway in under two months um, mm -hmm. you know it is uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's quite impressive and I'm I'm impressed with the the wild skills that we have uh, in this province, particularly when it comes to uh, construction and road building. Yep. Yep. I'm. I too am impressed. And I was. I got to say, when you, you reminded me of my gas this morning, because I I'd been doing the you know limping it to <laughs> limping it to nothing to try not to use up resources, and I was I was the fuel light was on when I was driving home from the office last night. And uh, I was like, oh, gosh, I'm going to have to buy gas tomorrow. And I pulled into the gas station this morning, all ready to, you know, get my 45 limited liter bill. And there was no restriction on the pump. And I thought, oh, that's weird. Maybe they took the restriction off the pump. And I'm standing there Googling. And it turns out they'd lifted it, quietly lifted the restriction. Well, I heard the announcement. Um, oh, well, I'm, I was busy. I'm pleased to say that I managed to use much less fuel during that period, um, you know, just being very light on the pedal and avoiding anything that I didn't need to do to go out for. Uh, and uh, the people in our office did very well, too. I mean, we had people carpooling. Um, I noticed that there was uh, less often vehicles there, and the same number of people managed to make it in. So mm -hmm. we did pretty well during, the, uh, during the, the great gas crisis of 2021, caused by the mm -hmm. great flood of 2021, following the summer where we had the great heat dome of 2021, Great. where uh, you couldn't go anywhere because everywhere was on fire. Uh, and then uh, November, you couldn't go anywhere because the roads were washed out and there was no fuel. Um, we're ending the year with a uh, functional highway. Mm -hmm. So go BC. Go BC, go. But it's only for essential travel, not for vacation. No, but, you know, by the summertime, I suspect that they will have four lanes of traffic open again. At the rate that they're going... Uh, you know, that they've managed to get this far, it's pretty good. I'm sure that the open Coquihalla Highway is going to be uh, four lanes where it can be and probably two lanes going over most of the bridges that were wiped out, and that's just fine. But I suspect by, you know, I bet when we get to, to June, they're going to have that highway open, wide open. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Good for, uh, good for BC. Um, I've noticed the uh, people being careful are on their gas pedal. Yeah. Um, and uh, even, even you, we had to go 
drive somewhere today to pick something up, and you were quite, you were, you were going exactly the speed limit. I know. I've just, you know, I became accustomed to the speed limit when the, uh, I can't believe it, um, became accustomed was, to the speed limit when, uh. I, I let you drive my car. I was like, oh, we'll get there faster if you're driving, and <laughs> we're, like, driving, like, grandma. Couldn't, couldn't believe it that I was driving the speed limit. What a shock. <laughs> Why are we not going 65? <laughs> yeah, I don't go 65 in a 50 zone. I go 58 in a 50 do. zone. I go 65. Yeah, things coming at me too fast. I'm getting old. Right, right. Anyway, other people uh, are getting old too. I noticed that there's yeah. uh, a number of uh, Vancouver police traffic officers are on the verge of retirement, including one of our favorites. Some of our best podcast listeners are about to go and retire from the VPD, and that makes me very sad. Well, hopefully they're encouraging their uh, their replacements to uh, to listen to the podcast so they can uh, learn our angle on things, not necessarily <laughs> learn anything that's specifically important to them, but it's always good to understand how the lawyers are thinking and, uh, and how they're coming at it. I know some of them do listen to it. We could lose half our listeners with the uh, retirements that are coming up. I know at least three officers are retiring uh in january including uh including one of your favorites who you follow on twitter yes one of the uh one of the biggest sort of twitter users from the vpd will be retiring uh sergeant christensen uh shout out to my homie <laughs> if he ever sees me in court again before he retires he's gonna hate me for that um Anyway, no, he's not my homie. He is uh, he is a police officer, but he has the best Twitter of all the VPD officers, I think. He's um, very professional, and he is uh, lovely to talk to, and he is the last person I would ever want to be pulled over by. Oh, God, no, um, he would relish giving either of us a ticket. And his Twitter account is what, bald guy something? What is it? I don't even know it. Yeah, Do you bald guy 1363. Yeah. And he uh, he is the source of many news stories. Like Vancouver is awesome, uh, and CTV they're all just following him to try and find out what's uh, in the news. And there's been some pretty good ones lately. But he's uh, you know some of these bigger stories about people exceeding the speed limit are start on his Twitter account with one tweet where there's a picture of the back of a um, an ultralight laser device, usually sitting on the dashboard of a police car with the speed still displayed on it and then maybe a picture of the bmw where the driver uh was an end driver didn't have their end was driving in the bus lane and uh and the reason that they and didn't have a supervisor and uh and just failed their driving test <laughs> that same day because they drove in the bus lane during their driving test that was the best one that was the funniest one you got to admit yeah that was a good one. That was. I'm surprised we I, haven't used so him many. for ridiculous driver of the week. I'm surprised he hasn't come on the podcast. Dude, once he's retired, I mean, the uh, Vancouver police are are they're pretty careful when it comes to their their social media presence, um, and I think you know there's there's nobody restricting him and his comments that he makes, but he's very careful too. Uh, just yeah. looking at this week, he's got this one was in the news in the last couple of days. Hundred somebody going 100 kilometers an hour in the school zone in front of Crof, Crofton House School. 
um, obviously an excessive speeding ticket. And then there was uh, last weekend, they had some enforcement downtown. This was completely unexpected, uh, and that's the way I guess <laughs> they, they like it. But they were stopping, um, stopping limos and buses and uh, pulled a bunch of them off the road. There's one that uh, he uh, comments here, this one... <laughs> Only managed to inspect two buses, five lim limos. All had serious safety defects. Uh, no emergency brake, inoperable emergency exits. Oh my gosh. Wood holding up the seats, etc. And the wood holding up the seats, there's a picture there. And it looks like a stir stick for a, um, like for paint. When you buy a gallon of paint and they give you a free stick. Uh, mm -hmm. And then some wooden blocks holding up the seat. Anyway, oh my God. I'm kind of wondering why that was a safety hazard because, you know, wood is a natural, natural product. Yeah, if you got in an accident, I feel like that would not withstand. Probably not. Yeah, you're probably right there. But there, there's complete cars that are built of wood. There was a car called the Monaco in the 1960s. I know one of the uh, provincial court judges, maybe he's retired now, uh, Judge Steinberg, used to have one. Um so uh, you know, I I I I wondered about the wood. Okay. That car's got wood. Well, I'm going to shift gears entirely because I think there's something big in the driving law world that most people don't think about as driving law that we should talk about this week. Okay, and that is the mayor of Surrey, Doug McCallum. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, it's driving law because the the allegation is that somebody drove over his toes, right? Yes. Exactly. That the was the allegation, allegation that was, he made. Yeah. Was <laughs> that somebody drove over his toes. So for those who haven't been paying attention to municipal politics in the largest uh, municipality by square area or whatever it is in British Columbia. Uh, or our, our, the, our listeners in, uh, in Quebec. Yes. The city of Surrey, British Columbia, elected a mayor four years almost ago. Uh, who campaigned on, on, among other things, a platform that he was going to get rid of the RCMP and replace it with a municipal police force. And I know those of you out there who aren't familiar with this are like, what does this have to do with the mayor's foot getting run over? But the answer is everything. This turns out to be like the most controversial issue for the people of Surrey. There's this whole faction called Keep the RCMP in Surrey who want to and the RCMP um, are big in Surrey. You know, there's there's various different um, cities in the province that have their own police force, uh, and then there's a number, you know, major cities that use the RCMP. Kelowna uses the RCMP. Prince George uses the RCMP, and Surrey uses the RCMP. And for some reason, people have decided that they want to replace the RCMP with a local police force. I can think of some real downsides to that. Um, I can think of some upsides too. I though. can think of some upsides, but um, you know the um, and 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 I can think of some uh, sort of management structural uh, upsides to not having a federal government police force in my yep. city. However, the controversy is huge, and you know the his desire to step into that and get elected on that basis to me is always strange, but. He never seems to articulate it in a way to me that makes a lot of sense, and uh, it's led to protests. Yeah, it's led to protests. It's led to 
at the time that the mayor's foot got run over, there was a signature gathering campaign to try and essentially trigger a referendum about whether or not the RCMP should be eliminated from Surrey. So the mayor, in the midst of this signature gathering campaign, is allegedly going about his business, minding his own stuff, getting his groceries from Savon Foods in Surrey. And in the parking lot are the Keep the RCMP in Surrey supporters who are trying to get their signatures. And somehow, some type of confrontation ensues between the mayor and these individuals. And it culminates in the mayor making a report that one of these individuals drove deliberately drove their car over his foot, breaking his foot and causing him intense pain. And you can Google this. There's great footage of, of Mayor Doug McCallum hobbling along, walking along parks and, and, you know, walking in pain and limping. It's very dramatic. And he seems to be a guy who would maybe lean toward the dramatic. <laughs> Whatever gives you that impression, Paul, I do not know. Um, in any yeah. event, yes. So, of course, he made a complaint uh, so saying that his foot had criminal, been run over. Criminal complaint saying that his foot has been run over, he's been Assault assaulted. Assault with a weapon. And the police come and investigate. And at some point, the police start to think that maybe this didn't actually happen. So they take a very unusual step of contacting Global BC and asking them to turn over their footage of their interview with the mayor, where the mayor talks about what happened. Yeah, and so, of course, Very this is in the context of who's going to investigate this, right? Uh, mm-hmm. When we've got the Surrey RCMP are, are facing their demise as a result of him. Uh, and then, uh, as well, um, you know, the the developing story that seemed to indicate that this was maybe fabricated, the actual running over his foot. Mm-hmm. So now what does it become? It becomes a, a mischief investi- investigation of the, uh, of the Surrey mayor. Yes. So nobody was ever charged with running over the mayor's foot. But all of a sudden, a special prosecutor's announcement, this was like the eve of the federal election, there was an announcement that a special prosecutor had been appointed to look into the Surrey mayor. Now, Paul, why would a special prosecutor be appointed? Well, the funny thing is people hear the word special prosecutor and they don't really know what it means. And we have this thing that we do in BC, and maybe they do it in other provinces, but we also know that it is something that happens with some regularity in BC uh, because maybe of the history of corruption, um, where we (laughs) take, well, I mean, there's been a lot of them, uh, where we take um, uh, a, usually a highly respected lawyer with some significant criminal law experience, and they are defense lawyer lawyer usually, but defense lawyer, prosecutor, we're basically the same. We're just looking at the file uh, and looking at whether what can be proven and, and what evidence is admissible and what goes before the court. But it's a lawyer who doesn't work for the Crown Prosecutor's Office. So, mm-hmm. you know, provincially we have a Crown Prosecutor's Office. We're very well served by the lawyers in the Crown Prosecutor's Office. They are independent of the government. They are independent of influence, but 
the public doesn't necessarily know that or understand that or view it that way. And so for the sake of preserving the um, confidence in the justice system and the integrity of the system, the integrity of the prosecution, the integrity of the, of the court, uh, we have these uh, external lawyers who get this job. They get a phone call. Yeah, uh, we need a special prosecutor on this. Do you have the time? Are you willing to do it? Um, get the job of, of looking at the file to determine whether or not the individual should be prosecuted, so charge approval, and then to prosecute it if necessary. And we call them special prosecutors. So they're not like, they don't have some superpowers or anything like that. They don't get to, to kick in doors and look for evidence. They are, are lawyers basically who are outside of the government getting a government contract. Yeah, so already I would just like to point out, as we're talking about this, one allegation about bad driving has turned into an issue that relates to municipal politics and referendums. It is it relates to the appointment of special prosecutors and certain steps that we take in British Columbia that relate to the integrity of the administration of justice, the core of our, you know, criminal justice system. And now the special prosecutor, a highly respected defense lawyer from Vancouver, has approved a charge against the mayor. All in a driving law case. And now oh, we get to and now we get to the final thing, which is this week you were in the news for, which is that the mayor is getting his legal bill paid for by this isn't even the final thing, Paul. Oh, okay. What's in between? Well, there's what what the charge is. Okay, sure. Public mischief. Very very uncommon charge. Yeah, it's unlikely, uh, it, or it's rare. Uh, I haven't seen it many times. Um, usually the police don't feel that they can prove that, or the Crown doesn't feel that they can prove it beyond a reasonable doubt, and it doesn't meet or the charge approval the standard. Interest. Yeah, or it's not in the public interest. Um, the threats of public mischief in cases, like in, in assault cases, spousal assault cases, where somebody will make a report against their domestic partner, and then they'll retract the report, and, and you know, the question is, are they retracting it because they made it up to be vindictive, or are they retracting it because they've been pressured, you know? And or are the they retracting the it because then in the heat of the moment, they thought that they would not get far as far as they needed to go without coloring yeah. it up and making it worse. So, uh, in so those the threat cases, of public mischief is there to try and discourage false reporting and to try and discourage people from withdrawing their reports that are legitimate. Yeah. And in this case, it's been uh, charge approved, presumably, because it's in the public interest, because we've got th this significant player in this dispute who appears, if this is the case, to be attempting to use the criminal justice system to advance a political goal. Yeah, a politician attempting to use the criminal justice system to advance a political goal. Like, that's a pretty hefty allegation. It's a very serious allegation, and the fact that, um, you know, that it, to the mind of the special prosecutor, it met the charge approval standard, um, mm -hmm. you know, is, is significant in and of itself. Yep. Um, to meet the charge approval standard, of course, I don't think we've really talked about it much on the podcast, but there has to be, a, in the mind of the prosecutor, on the evidence available to them at the time they approved the charge, a substantial likelihood of conviction. I think it's a substantive. I think it's a substantive in the uh, in the crown 
council policy manual, but I think substantive and substantial means the same. And and there's times that I've said it. Sometimes I've no, but sometimes I've said it to clients, and I've like, oh, I said substantial, and it's substantive, and then I sort of feel bad. But the uh, and it's a it's a charge approval standard that applies throughout the prosecution. So uh, it applies at the time that they approve the charge on the basis of the information that they've got, uh, and that's assuming that they've got you know, the best information that they're going to get at that point. Mm -hmm. uh, and yeah. then if new information comes out that undermines that, they can cancel, discontinue the prosecution. And that arose out of a, um, a uh, an, inquiry. an inquiry that was conducted by Stephen Owen, who was uh, later a member of parliament, but a, uh, a uh, well-respected lawyer in Vancouver and a really nice guy, uh, after there was some prosecutions that were shouldn't have happened. So we have that, public mischief, and now we have Three's bylaws. What? Three's bylaws, the city bylaws. What about them? You, you were just about to go into it. So the taxpayer is on the hook oh, okay. for the legal fees to defend Doug McCallum against this charge. Yeah, and you know, if you're charged with a criminal offense, it's not tax deductible to hire a lawyer. Your company can't hire your lawyer for you. Uh, it's a it's a, a taxable benefit. Uh, if your company pays for your lawyer, it's just like the company paying you more salary. Um, mm -hmm. Yet uh, apparently, the uh, city of Surrey is uh, is um, stepping forward, stepping up, uh, or feeling obliged by whatever legal requirement they uh, sense that they've got. Uh, to pay for uh, for the mayor's legal bills in this criminal case when he was out doing his own thing on his own. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he's claiming that this happens as a result of, I guess, his, his political position. I don't know. Um, I would assume, though, that it's probably uh, like an insurance policy or something. Yeah, so the way it works is essentially the city of Surrey will indemnify um, the the individual, so in this case the, the public official, the mayor, um, for legal fees incurred uh, as a result of anything related to their or done in the course of their duties. So I guess the argument in favor of paying the bills here is that even though he may have been on his personal time in the sense that he was doing his grocery shopping, the conflict that occurred in the parking lot or the events that occurred in the parking lot were not related to him grocery shopping. They were related to his duties in his capacity as mayor with the transition. And so he got sucked into that even though he was on his personal time. But if he's committed the offense, if he's convicted, they're going to, you know, that means it's done whether or not he's innocent or not. If he's convicted, yeah. Um, yeah. you're looking at it and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, well, he committed an offense. Uh, on and and why should the taxpayers be paying for him to get a defense when he committed an offense? Well, this is the really interesting thing because there's a subsection in the bylaw that actually says that if you're charged with an offense, indemnification will only apply if the offense for which you're convicted and it's it, the indemnification, the cancellation of indemnification basically is is triggered upon conviction unless you're convicted for an offense that's strict or absolute liability. So if you're convicted of anything with a mental fault element, like public mischief, where you have to intend to mislead the police, 
you cannot be indemnified. All right, I was following you, but say it again in English. If you're convicted of something, an offense, for which you are required to have a level of intention, then the indemnification does not apply. Okay, so if there's a mental intent element, then you intend to do it. Well, how can you, if he's convicted, how can you not intend to commit public mischief if you committed public well, mischief? In, well, intention is required for public mischief. It has to be like it's, it's, it's the mens rea. You can't do it without. Yeah, the whole point exactly. is that you, that you, intended to do, you intended to mislead the police by making a false statement. Yeah, it's not a strict or absolute liability offense. But as I understand, the indemnification, they're paying for the legal bills now. There's a provision that allows them to essentially compel him to pay it back, although nobody has ever paid it back in these types of situations. Usually if they're convicted or whatever, they just quit. <laughs> then they're like, try and get me to pay it back now, bitches. Um, cause, yeah, but if, know, it's a, if it's a quarter million dollar legal bill, they might want to try and come back and collect it from him. However, it's not going to be cheap. He's hired a very expensive lawyer. Well, uh, yeah, there might be some rate that's set, though. Who knows? They might be doing it for slightly less money for some reason. You never know. It's, uh, it's, uh, we don't, there, there, there are cases that you take, Kyla, that you choose to charge less if it's something that's a, a fascinating or very interesting thing for you. Yeah, somehow I feel like this is not one of them. Does not get the same, like, you know, he's been doing this for as long as I've been alive. Where Longer I'm than you've been alive. First... As long as I've been yeah. alive. Yeah. I'm still there for 10 years of practice, so there's still some things that excite me. <laughs> I don't well, know. we'll see. I think he's uh, got a reasonable shot at being acquitted. Uh, I can see the, the reason for approving the charge, but, um, you know, he's going to be able to mount the super defense that most people could never, ever, 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 ever hope to afford to mount. Um, Remember, he's, right now, he's only charged with this. He could plead to something lesser at some point that would fall within the scope of a strict or absolute liability offense. He could. He could. Or he could end up with a peace bond or something like that. Could be a, just a recognizance not to contact the person who was driving the vehicle. Could get diverted. He could be diverted, yeah. And uh, we'd, we'd never know. It's an admission of, of something. When you go for diversion, uh, you have to admit to something. Um, but yeah, he could be diverted. Yeah, or of course he could be acquitted, or the charges could be stayed, um, or withdrawn. All sorts of things could happen. Yep. Well, that's an interesting one. All starts with the process. All starts with driving. All starts with driving. All started with a driver, which I love. I love it. Driving law. Look at this. It's one of the biggest news stories in BC right now. It's it's interesting. It engages so many different areas of law, all because one person may have driven over another person's foot. Interesting and engaging. Uh, I was just thinking about your TikTok uh, that you posted yesterday. <laughs> Kyla posted a TikTok. Talking about the RCMP, back to the RCMP, um, you know, we've noticed that there are a bunch of RCMP officers that are missing, um, and uh, they are missing as a result of the fact that apparently they didn't want to get vaccinated, so they took unpaid leave or quit or what have you. And so you posted this TikTok and talk about engaging. This thing's got, at right now, 530,000 views in a couple of days. 
Yeah. You, so should, you should explain it. Well, uh, my explanation is very simple. Uh, there's a deep irony in the fact that all of these police officers, uh, RCMP officers, are taking unpaid leave because they refuse to get vaccinated. Because their whole argument about, well, I'm not going to get vaccinated because it's a violation of my rights for the government to force me to take a vaccine. Yeah, yeah, it's a violation of your rights. Yeah, that sucks. It sucks for you. But you know what? Your rights aren't absolute. They're limited by Section 1 of the Charter. And police officers know this. You know how many times I have clients and they're pulled over by the police uh, for doing nothing because the police want to do a sobriety check, check their license status. There's a woman driving the car that's registered to a man or whatever the case may be. And and then, you know, you stop me unlawfully. Well, actually, no, I can stop you for, for any reason. They often say they don't quite articulate it correctly. I can stop you for any reason. No, that's, that's against my charter rights. No, there's a limitation on your charter rights. They know this. When they go do roadside sobriety testing, when they make you blow into a roadside breathalyzer, they are violating your charter rights. The Supreme Court of Canada has ruled that in five separate cases. It's a violation of your charter rights. The only reason that it's justified is because Section 1 of the Charter says that if it's reasonable to limit your charter rights in a free and democratic society, then the government gets to do it. Do you know what's a reasonable limitation on your charter rights? Not exposing random members of the public that you have contact with to your unvaccinated self in the midst of a fucking pandemic. Well, yeah. I mean, you're a police officer. If you're doing traffic enforcement, yeah. you're pulling over random people, more or less random. I mean, it, they may have allegedly committed an offense, but they're random to you. And if you've got COVID, you're spreading it to all of those random people. Um, and and just, going back I, to the detachment where there's a bunch of other officers there. Some of the other officers there can't be vaccinated. Some are vaccinated, but yet still have some other health concern that makes them particularly uh, at risk of, of uh, if they contract COVID. And yet yep. these police officers take the position that my health comes first and therefore I'm not, I, I must not have my charter rights violated. Well, it's I'm a sorry, limitation. Where was this attitude about their charter about charter rights when they were standing at roadblocks or when they well, were sure. conducting traffic stops? Every one of them like is they, just fine to violate somebody else. None of them said, "Oh, I'm not going to pull cars over. I'm not going to do impaired driving enforcement because it violates the charter." Narrow view of the charter rights when they're dealing with somebody, and the world's broadest view of charter rights when it comes to themselves. Yeah. Um, so they, so do, they do care about the charter. They only care about the charter when it applies them. to them. Uh, and in the strangest circumstance, too, right? So that's, I mean, they're vaccine deniers or, uh, or COVID deniers and, and anti-vaxxers in order to get to that mental point of saying, no, I'm not going to get vaccinated. And not only am I not going to get vaccinated, I'm not going to get vaccinated despite the fact that, that the Section 1 of the Charter of Rights says that it's permissible. Uh, to fire me, and I'm going to lose my job and my career and all the investment in that uh, just because I don't want to get vaccinated, uh, which is, you know, fascinating in and of itself. But all of these police officers who suddenly their charter rights, charter rights are the most important thing in the world uh, when they took a uh, 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 fairly light, dim view sometimes and uh, other times a uh, fairly light view of them, uh, you know, concerned about it. 
but concerned about it more about whether or not there would be scrutiny later on in the court or that they might get in trouble for violating somebody's charter rights. Uh, yeah. So you post this TikTok video and you did it like early in the morning. Nobody was in the office. Um, and uh, I see you're sitting at your desk because I've got it playing right now. And uh, 45,000 likes. This is crazy, Kyla. Yep, I'm viral on TikTok. Yeah. This is my big moment of fame. What? Hopefully now, like all the brands start contacting me to do unboxing videos of breathalyzers. Vaccines. <laughs> yeah, I somehow I don't think this is going to translate into TikTok fame, but no. Uh, I'll but it's it. pretty funny. The uh, you did it. It looks like you did it in a bunch of sections, right? Did you or not? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and so there, there's weird audio, and there's you're moving sort of a little bit, and you, you do, you know, sort of cut, 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 but it really works. And, uh, man, people just went crazy with it. People on Twitter, everybody likes it. People on TikTok, the comments are crazy anti-vaxxers who uh, make um, misogynist uh, and uh, ageist comments um, to try and... Uh, to try and um, take away your cred, but you've got like all of your certificates behind you. You can't even see the degrees. So that sort of undermines them. Um, and, uh, and then people who are supportive. Yeah. Anyway, speaking of ageist people. Yes. <laughs> I've got something for you. What is it? The Ridiculous Driver of the Week. Ridiculous driver of the week. Is this a Florida woman, Kyla? This is a Florida woman. This is a 76-year-old lady from Florida. So, and, uh, and her her ex-boyfriend was how old? Like 74 or something like 74, that? 74, yeah. And, and, she was 74. And she was 72 and the new girlfriend is like... She's 76. She's 76. He's 74. And the new girlfriend is 64 or something. So she goes on like a vandalism spree. Um, basically, she uh, she damages his uh, his vehicle and the new girlfriend's vehicle while they're parked outside his home. Um, he has a 2011 Chrysler. She pours oil into the air vents and then takes pink lipstick and writes "loves kinky sex womanizer" on the window damages the bumper by ramming the car with her vehicle. Yeah, I thought she drove her car. Yeah, allegedly. Yeah. Allegedly. Yeah. allegedly. Six, 1600 bucks to, of damage mm. to that. Meanwhile, new girlfriend, she has a 2020 BMW, also damaged by this woman, also pours oil on it, takes a raccoon, kills the raccoon, puts the raccoon on the hood, Dead raccoon on the hood. I love it. Writes the word slut. I, mean, she, no, I do not approve of slut shaving. But Pink lipstick. Well, I mean, I don't approve of any of this, but it's hilarious. <laughs> You're right. I do not approve of any of this, but I'm more amused by the raccoon than the use of the term slut as a slur. Uh, written on the vehicle in pink lipstick. And the amount of damage that she did to the BMW, $33,000 plus. They're writing off the BMW, writing off the BMW. They wrote off the BMW, and they were able to figure out that it was her 
based on the GPS on her phone and the fact that she brought her car to a body shop for repairs and there was paint transfer. Yeah, I mean, it was probably she was the first suspect anyway. She was the ex. Um, if you're an ex, um, know that you'll be a suspect if, you're, if your but ex Paul, is a subject to vandalism or something like that. But, Paul, there, there's an even better part. Do you know where she's from in Florida? No. South Pasadena, which makes her the little old lady from Pasadena. I thought there was a Pasadena in California. Okay, well, she, nope. she is a little old lady from Pasadena. That's true. Yeah, go granny, go granny, go granny, go. Well, she's obviously like quite mobile and out there for a 76-year-old woman. She's still driving and still you know, stalking her ex and her ex's new, <laughs> new gal. She still, still apparently manages sexually to, active. Yeah, she manages to to somehow locate dead raccoons and uh, picks up motor oil and yeah, yeah, she's out there. And she spent a few days in jail. That probably she's on it. Probably shook her up a little bit. Anyway, she apparently got bail, so uh, I guess uh, <laughs> I, I'm I'm sure they don't have to worry about her coming back. No, probably not. Anyway. Yeah. I thought you would enjoy that. Yeah. Well, I I saw that one. I saw that one. I got a laugh out of it. But the world needs to know about it. I thought the pink lipstick writing on the windshield and the comments were were quite entertaining. And you you just don't like that term. I, well, I like the term, but I like the term as a term of power, not a term of derogation. Oh, okay. All right. Well, maybe she was expressing her power. Maybe she's the slut. Could be. Anywho. Um, this is the Driving Law podcast, so that's not something we need to dwell too much on. No. But what we do need to dwell on is how people can contact us if they would like to get a hold of us. Um, so if you need to find us online, you can find us at VancouverCriminalLaw.com or give us a call at 604-685-8889. And if you like the podcast, you can tune in next week for another exciting episode of Driving Law.